All right. We're starting class in here. We started looking at the others last week. Remember that we are going to take a look at all of the uh, malevolent spirits in Scripture. But we will also, at the tail end of this study, take a look at other beings that are for us. So, but we wanted to start with this one. We started talking about Satan. The first time we see Satan, we encounter him in a fallen state. We don't see him before, except perhaps a glimpse, and we'll talk about that. He has not yet been tossed into heaven. There was not, it seems, a one event that, that was his fall and banishment. There, there was a, there was a, pro, a process, a, um, a, a series of things. In Genesis chapter 3, while not identified by name there, later he is, we are told he is a snake, that he's crafty and wise far more than anything else in the garden. He has made his way in from the outside where the chaos was. Now, um, we don't have a sound person up there to, to open up the mic, and I was hoping we would do that this time, but that's my fault. So I'm going to have to, if I work off of you, Dr. Lemons, I'm going to have to uh, repeat or hand you my headset or something. The, um, that was my, my bad. Um, I've had, you can do it. Whoa, look at this guy. Woohoo. So you just wave that at me if you're ready to talk, all right? The, the, um, why a snake? I've had people say, you know, snakes are beneficial. And I get that. I do. I know we'd be up to here in rats if we didn't have snakes. However, why is he called a snake? What? You're pointing. You're pointing. Oh, you're getting the mic. Yes, yes. It's not up yet. Thank you, Dave. I didn't know you were in the area. So, all right. Your mic should be live. Yes. All right. Yes, thank you. Okay. So, you can uh, wave that at me, yell heretic, whatever you need to do. The, um, the why snake? The snake is there because, and by the way, it may not be talking about an actual animal snake in Genesis. The, the Hebrews use language in a different way. But let's go with that. Why are people afraid of snakes? Because they're quiet. And they're, they're, some are dangerous. Most aren't. I've had people say that, well, that, that snake's not poisonous. It can't hurt you. I always beg to differ. Uh, if, if it can cause you to have a heart attack, that's a dangerous snake. Snakes, um, if snakes were the size of cows and had bells on them, we wouldn't be nearly as frightened. You know, I'm on the golf course. Uh, I golf with Doug Buttrey sometimes. And every so often, it's really rare because I'm, I'm brilliant. Every so often, a ball goes into the high grass. And he'll stop to go look for it. And I'll say, uh-uh. That ball costs just about a dollar. I buy discount ones at Walmart and such because I know we're not going to be together long enough to form a relationship, so I'm not pouring money into them. And that's uh, a new golf ball is a lot cheaper than um, anti-venom. So goodbye, ball. Uh, we'll, have a look, we'll say a few words, then we'll move on. Snakes are dangerous, and so it is a snake. Here's the thing I want you to understand about the Garden of Eden. And there's a wonderful book, I don't know if you've read this yet, uh, Albert, called The Lost World of Genesis 1 yes. or, uh, by John Walton. 
uh, very brilliant. I, I don't know if I buy all of it yet because I'm not that smart. But when I talk to Jewish rabbis, they have another spin on it. Jewish rabbis that I've talked to, every single one of them has told me that Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is not about the beginning of the universe, but about the beginning of the Jewish people, that God crafted out a garden, a place, and he makes these people his people and forms a relationship. Regardless of any of this, Adam's job is to protect the garden. Now, you might think, no, it doesn't say that. It does. Do you remember near the end of the story when the, the cherubim, the angels are there with swords to guard that no one comes into the garden? That same word is what he uses when he talks to Adam about dress and keep, keep the garden. Actually, actually there are two Hebrew verbs. One yeah. is to till it and the other is to guard it. Guard he, it. He could have kept Satan away from his wife. Exactly. His, he, he was more concerned about horticulture than the heart of his wife. There you go. More, ooh. Can everybody act like I said that? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write that down and claim it real quick. Have you copyrighted that? Um, the, the, uh, see, this is why we give you a mic. Um, his job was to protect that garden and his wife. He allowed the snake in. Now think about this. C.S. Lewis uh, was writing in the 40s and 50s, and so he, this new thing called television was coming. And there were some real complaints about some of the things there and some of the radio shows and such that, you know, um, that were very popular. And his response to that was, when there is a sewage pipe into your living room, the worst idea is to open the pipe. His idea was, you still have to protect your area. You have to protect your place. And I, I just, I don't care for the way we compress the story. I know Jews tell stories in a different way, and so we just compress it. That, you know, here's Adam, he goes to sleep, wakes up with a stitch in his side, and there she is, and goes, woo, and she goes, here, have an apple. Uh, we don't even know what the fruit was, so beside that, I think because she was the first woman, she was perfect. Genetically pristine. If you could see your genetic code, by the way, you would be baffled at the amount of it that is junk. I'm not insulting you. It is just with every replication comes an error. That's just the way it works. There are, there are no machines that are 100% efficient. Do you understand what I mean? That you, you pour it full of petrol and it's able to create more petrol so it never, never ends, perpetual motion. That's a myth, it won't happen. Every time we replicate something, there's a loss of information. And therefore you have thousands and thousands of these bad coatings in you, most of which will never bother you, some will. She was perfect. I imagine it took years and years and years. Joe Beam, a preacher who preached here at one time, will talk to people and say, the devil will watch what you're doing and he'll spend 30 and 40 years to spring the trap. He just watches and starts laying out little pathways. Guard, guard, guard. And, that's, and that, that was Adam's failure. By the way, that also explains something, which it looks like Paul's contradicting himself. Paul's not afraid to change his story, if you read scripture. 
In one, he'll say, because Eve sinned first. But in Romans, he says, Adam sinned first, and through Adam comes all sin. Well, they both sinned, but they were the first one who sinned in their way. How's that? They both sinned in unique ways. But do you have something on that? You're, oh, you're looking at me like, boy, I could go on forever. But <laughs> This is so interesting, and particularly this you brought up last time when chapter 6 about the Beneha Elohim, the angels. Uh, and and uh, chapter 6 begins by saying, in the days when men began to multiply. Now, we know there's a lot of distance between Adam and chapter mm -hmm. 6, and so there's something unique on the scene. Mm -hmm. And even though the word Beneha Elohim is used four times in the Hebrew Bible, three times in Job talking about angels without any doubt. Mm -hmm. And we... And I've checked seriously in the last hundred years, major scholars have changed from what was two or three hundred years ago about what happened there. But let me just say, I'm confident these were fallen angels. Every time an angel came to earth visibly, they were in the form of a man, with one exception, two women with a basket, a red yep. thing on it. Maybe that's where women, we get the idea of storks bringing babies, but in any case... <laughs> uh, <clears throat> And so in Genesis 6, when it talks about the sons of God, I believe these are fallen angels and that they had sex with women uh, in, a, in a horrifying way, so much so that except for Noah, there's a brief statement that Noah was free from that contamination. So there was a hybrid race that just practically filled that, that part of the world. And not that was not that God didn't create. And when you bring an alien and put it with a female, then you get a hybrid situation. <clears throat> and so when the flood came, it destroyed them. Uh, and Alexander Campbell and a lot of others believe that the that demons are the spirits of dead men, of of unholy men. I have to have a of all things, an issue with him over this because there were billions of, of old men that didn't know anything about God. And the first miracle Jesus did, in, according to Mark, when he cast out demons, these demons had had a previous encounter with him and knew more about him than his apostles did. Mm -hmm. And so they said, Jesus, our son of David, did you come beforehand to torment us? But there's another issue here for in this brevity. You say then, if they all died on the ark, why were there, why were there giants after the flood? either a recessive gene in Noah's wife or a daughter-in-law, in my judgment, accounts for that. So that when the children of Israel were east of the Jordan before crossing it under Joshua's leadership, they encountered giants. One man was slept on a bed more than nine feet long, had six toes, six fingers, and, and as well as the, the, as the Anachim uh, that David finally, uh, Caleb was not capable of, of uh, of conquering that, that giant in Jerusalem. David is the first one to do that, and from, I believe, when he picked up five stones, he didn't intend to miss with the first one. There were brothers, there were relatives of that giant, and, and his 30 men end up killing those four, and we have no further reference of it anywhere in Scripture. And, and again, um, there, there, you raised several points here, which we, we may have to hit during a time. I have a, I, and, and we've talked about this, it's not a surprise. I'm not where you are on the Nephilim. However, I respect your view, and it's a well-thought-out view. And, and so I, you know, I always believe other views, if they're res 
if they're well thought out, they need to be said. He can hold to the position 200 years ago, the last 100 years of everything is on my side. I <laughs> well, I, the, the way I look at it, I've been wrong before and I'm very good at it. But, you know, this is, uh, I, I've always been, and we'll talk about demons when we get to demons, but I believe that they're fallen angels. Yes. And so I'll, I'll go a different direction with it. But that's why we give you a mic. Um, we want all that in. The fact is that there were giants in those days. Uh, and you do find them. By the way, all the pictures you see on the internet are fake. Stop it. And they'll show this thing. Is he's 12 feet tall. And they'll say, see, they're trying to keep this from you. No, that, that's fake. Don't, don't do that. But giants in those days, we do have bones that are pretty big. Um, and, and human history is far more complex than we want it to be. I'll just say this very briefly. Um, they found a guy, they found bones in a riverbed in Washington State, and they called the police, they found a body. Well, it was quickly determined these aren't, this isn't a fresh case, this, this guy died some time ago. I'll compress it to this. It turned out to be bones of somebody that had been here before the Native Americans were supposed to have made it here. And it was a Caucasian, you could tell by the facial structure. In fact, when they got the skull and they, they did the, the work they do to bring the face back, it looks so much like Patrick Stewart of Star Trek, the first generation. And I'm going, well, where have you been? But anyway, it looks so much like that. Well, that started the nutcases on every side. The white supremacist and the pagans came out saying, he is ours and this is proof. And, and the Native Americans came over and goes, no, it's just one of ours. It didn't get out much, you know. And, and it, would, it became a fight. Politicians then, this is during the Clinton era, but, era, but I think any Republican or Democrat would have done the same threw it into courts, and when they saw that they were losing in the courts, did an executive order to put the bones back and covered it, had the Army Corps of Engineers cover it with hundreds of tons of rock and dirt, and then made it a federal offense to dig on that property. In other words, we have our story, don't mess with it. It's amazing. Human history is far more complex than we, than we think. And there were skeletons found in caves in Nevada that were red-haired. We don't know of any Native American tribes that were. How'd they get there? Don't know. <laughs> I could go on and on because I kind of collect oddities. I, I only work Sundays, so a lot of spare time. But the stories, when we simplify Scripture and read it like we would read it, and not like they would write it, I think we really get hurt. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, Dr. Lemons and I are on agreement with about 98% of our stuff. And uh, it's an honor to work with you, uh, Albert, always has been. And um, uh, as, as we go through this, I still need your voice repeatedly. And you're able to say, well, I'm not on the same page with you too. You know that, because we're friends. And, and iron sharpens iron. Two passages used to describe the devil's downfall. I've had people say, no, those don't, don't apply. Well. They might be about something else, but they're, they're otherworldly enough that strong traditions have grown up around them. The story is that although they are primarily broadsides, that's, that's a naval term, or you know, firing broadsides, against earthly rulers, there's something about them that indicates the prophecy is really against the power behind them. Let's take a look, and uh, I really would like to have your, your input after we look at these two. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. Now, if you go to Isaiah 14, he is, it looks like he's addressing an earthly ruler. 
But there's something interesting here. Oh, morning star. To Lucifer, that's a morning star, a burning star. Son of the heaven, you've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart. Now watch this. I will ascend to heaven. All of these I wills. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Frank Peretti famously said, the devil said this to God. Well, he wanted to, but he couldn't even get past God's secretary with that kind of attitude. I always thought Frank Peretti had a great way of speaking, and I have stolen many of his things too. Um, but it looks like he's talking, either going really over the top you know, about this ruler, or he's talking about the power behind him that thinks he can elevate himself. And also, we, a little application of scripture here. You don't ever have to say this in your heart to act like it. To say, I know God says this, but I see. I know God, but I... We can do this so quickly and never say it out loud. So, think about this. It might be used sarcastically here, but what happened to the morning star? You need to go back a slide. <laughs> it was cast down to the earth. It was somewhere cast down to the earth. Now, we're going to look at Ezekiel. That's another one. And we're going to ask several questions. So, there's a pop quiz. All right, you ready? Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre. Now, he actually says this is about the king of Tyre. And says to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Yahweh says. You were the model of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Wait a minute. The king of Tyre? Yeah, there's a difference in God's Eden and Adam's Eden. This garden is filled with precious stones and Adam's with great fruit and vegetables. That's interesting, yeah. The garden of God, every precious stone adorns you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. By the way, I'm really glad for the newer versions because some of the King James type stuff had some jewels nobody had ever heard of, and we had to mumble. You remember mumbling? Yeah, yeah, we had to mumble. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day you were created. They were on the day you were created. They were prepared. That's interesting. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. Once again, we get the word cherub. By the way, if you think of cher here cherub and you think of the little babies on Valentine's card, stop it. Cherubs were terrifying in their power and, and still are. Uh, they still exist. For I, so I ordained you, guardian cherub. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. Now, by the way, Tyre did trade all over the place. And so people use that to say, this, this is a person. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. And I want to ask you what fiery stones were. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Now, before I go to Dr. Lemons, verse 12, 
let's go back up there for you. Thank you if you could do that. Were what? What, what was he? Model of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect beauty. Where was he? Eden, the garden of God. Um, verse 14, we can go to that one. Were what? Um, he was a guardian cherub. He was anointed that way. Then what did he do in verse 16? He was filled with violence. And God did what? I expelled you. Your heart became corrupt. I expelled you. You corrupted your wisdom. Oh my goodness, what a phrase. I was talking to a lady, a member here that Basically, we're saying some of our seminaries have become cemeteries of faith because it kills the person's faith, the way it's taught. Sometimes we send our kids, and I'm, I'm very pro-teachers, but sometimes we send our kids into universities and such unprepared for what's coming at them, and it, it kills their faith because somebody corrupted wisdom. Wisdom is dangerous. Now, I don't normally say this, and I, I'm aware this is being streamed. I have an IQ which is a little north of 160. You might be going, woo, no, you don't want it. I wake up, and when I wake up in the morning, it's a fire hose going off in my head of information, thoughts, detail, and such. It's one of the reasons I'm an introvert. I need the quiet. I need just, I'm, remember, and I, is Gil here? Gil, is that when I first got here, every time I was driving, he would call me. Hey, buddy, what you doing? I'm driving. Well, I started to call you and break up the drive. I told him, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. It took him a while to understand, and not a, not a long while. Gil's a smart guy, a good guy. But it, he, he finally realized, well, oh, Patrick really, the reason he drives instead of flies is because he doesn't have to pick his seat and talk to people. Just drive and it's, it's a healing time for me uh, to do that. So uh, I would trade 20, 30 points like that for almost anything. You can hand me a bag of beans. And the reason is, it is easy to corrupt wisdom. You, once you get ideas, you start thinking of alternatives. And it's amazing that God has still allowed me to be Christian. I, I, thank him, I thanked him today, both prayers during the Lord's Supper. Thank you for not letting me go because, man, it would be so easy for me just to fly off and I need held together. One of the reasons I'm a minister, uh, Albert, then I'm going to hand it over to you, is because I have to be here. <laughs> I have to study. I have to read. I really chose this because I realized I might not be a Christian if I don't have an obligation to be a Christian. It took work. It's hard. It is easy to corrupt wisdom. Now, I'm not the only person on the planet that has this issue. So do biologists, geologists, and the like. Be careful. Be careful. Yes. All right. I, wanna, I do want to, real quick, I have two quick questions for you, and then you can go anywhere you want, all right? Do you have an idea what the fiery stones are, and what do you feel? Are these passages referring to the power behind the king, or is this just being an overtop? Absolutely. Behind each, behind each civil and political leader, there's a spiritual power. I believe that, yes. And Daniel makes that very clear. 
four different times the rabbi pointed that out once. Yeah. Now, back to this. Um, uh, that first verse of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, is a whole Bible to me. And there's yeah. a big different, difference, distance between one and two, verses one and two. There is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so the celestial realm was created when, when Yahweh, who is God, decided an alternative existence should come to pass. Eternity had been the reality forever and ever. And so the heavens and the earth are created, so that included all the categories of angelic existence. And uh, evidently, this, uh, this uh, one we will call that became Satan, um, he, had a, he, had, he was the prime minister of everything that belonged to God. I believe that he channeled yeah. all worship to God. And Kylan Dalich, one of the greatest scholars in the Hebrew dictionary. Would you say that? Oh, Kylan Dalich, Kylan, yes, yes. Make a point yeah. that, on the word, that on the word cherub, that the first problem, the first struggle really came over worship. That worship, it was over worship. And so Satan began to, to covet rather than cover. God had given him the charge over everything, but he coveted it. And in one strange passage in Revelation 12, we believe that a third of the angels followed him. Now, because of the nature of where the angels were created in the presence of God's holiness, those who sin can never be forgiven because they cannot die. Yeah, they, and they don't have a, a plan of redemption. That's correct. Now, That's right. And, and so he gave us an edge in that matter. Oh, That's yes. another whole subject. Anyway, back to this other thing. And when and uh, and it's so interesting that when uh, this occurred, the holiness of God could not tolerate a dual will, and that's why He had to be removed. And that fi we find Him now in the garden, mm -hmm. and he, many of His emissaries with Him. Now I'm sure that when Daniel Daniel prayed, and uh, and Gabriel finally came. That's the articulate angel. Uh, we would call him. Um, uh, you know, he, he brought angel, the good news. In any case, uh, but he was deterred. He was delayed for 21 days because of a spirit in back of that civil king of that time, and so he had to go get the war angel Michael to come and fight the battle, so that he could come. And he said to Daniel, "You're highly esteemed. Your words in heaven are honored. Not anything is greater in the Bible that uh, any mortal was ever told." But there's another thing here. He very subtly says that after, I'm going out now and fight the battle with the present yes. history, and I will come and fight the, the spirit, the king of Greece. That would be 200 years later. Yep. That's the one verse in the Bible that talks about spiritual warfare on a continual basis. It, it does. And just think about what it is like to have continual war between two parties that cannot die. For sure. Now, the firing angels seem to be different categories of angelic existence. We have at least five different levels of that in the Greek New Testament. Yes, we do. And so that would account for different status. Well, uh, let, me, let me work with the fiery stones, and then you, he has a, a comment up here. We're not giving you a mic, though, because you're not Dr. Lemons. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, your first Sunday back, we're already doing this. We missed them. I was thinking about them this I week. I know. I know. They, they, they've been in... Um, and, and apostasy in eastern Tennessee, but they have now come back. Uh, to, they, they had their summer off. The fiery stones. Um, seraphs, if I understand the word correctly, uh, it used to be that people said it was singing, but it's more of a burning yes. that gives off. Yes. So would the fiery stones possibly be seraphs? That's, it, it, it's very 
that's where we get in some problems with the Hebrew language. And uh, it's thought that the first, uh, the first really was over worship, over worship right. of God from the angels. And uh, it's very interesting to find out, we talk about angels singing. You better check very carefully on that one. They <laughs> say a lot. And they yes. worship God, but this matter of, matter of singing. But anyway. and, and, well, in fact, when we got new songbooks at our church, which wasn't very often, uh, after a Sunday night service, uh, they'd have a prayer to end the service, but you weren't allowed to leave. They would pass out the new songbooks, and then we were turning page by page to put X's on the ones we couldn't sing and to edit the ones that we could. And one of them was, tell me the story of Jesus and tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth, we had yeah. to cross out sang and write in said. That's right. <laughs> because God required perfection from us. Uh, anyway, yes, do you remember what you were going to say? Well done, you. Uh, so in the verse, I think it's 13, when it talks about the stones, like with the ruby, and, uh, the uh, if you'll go one more slide, he's asking. Uh, and then... Every precious stone, the next slide in this series. There we go. So that list where it says ruby, topaz, emerald, crystalline onyx, and jasper, so on and so forth, that really it's almost a mirror image of when it talks about the breast piece of the judgment that the high priest wore, where it says a row of ruby, topaz. He, he's saying that this is really a mirror image of the breastplate the high priest wore when it talks about the colors and, yes, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, he ask, he's asking if there's any significance there. Absolutely. I don't know what it is. Yes, the vestments, correct. <laughs> In the vestments, yes. Say that again, please. In the vestments, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, actually, even in the description of uh, streets and buildings in heaven come that list. So it is something that is in, made by God, but then it's an imposter. Uh, it, uh, you know, Paul talks about, and we're really zipping ahead here, Paul talks about demons that are gods, but they're not really gods. It's an imposter. And by the way, we can do that with uh, human beings too. I watched a video once. I have no idea where to find it now. Uh, I do know how to use YouTube, but you get more dross than, than gold. Uh, that contrasted, it showed signs of us worshiping churches, worshiping with the way people were worshiping rock stars, especially Michael Jackson, it showed tens of thousands of people weeping and their hands in the air. And then you'd go to churches and people would just, eh. Well, I don't think Michael Jackson ever claimed to be a god. Don't, don't get me wrong there. What I'm saying is it's so easy for us, as I put it, we, we call people who make a living reading or singing other people's words when they're told to, where they're told to, and we call them stars. There's something wrong there. Patrick, there's one other thing I might add. Please. <laughs> oh, and then we'll go back to the Matthew. The Bible tells us that he and he spoke and they were created. <laughs> In other words, the angels had a beginning, but they because did. of where they were created, they'll never have an ending. Because they're spirit, Hebrews 1.14. Now, and so I believe that the spirit, I'll use a term, material of which angels were created is different than that of you and me. I believe God yes. visited our mother's wombs and left a part of himself, which never had a beginning, never have an ending. 
But there, there's another thing here. We have a part of his DNA that no angel possesses. That, oh, that's absolutely true. And, and we that, are handmade rather, than, right. that rather right. than spoken into existence. Right. And the angels are servants. And at the great banquet feast of the Lamb, when we're seated at the table at a name place, the angels will be standing behind us as servants. That's the best they'll ever be. And I believe that Michael or Gabriel or any one of the archangels would give a world if they could just swap places with you and me. We're sons and daughters and, and servants. And according to Frank Peretti and quite a few others I've read, that may be what sent Satan on his tra trajectory, the idea that they would end up serving That's correct. us. So, um, and we also know in Job, he already said, well, you'll never, they'll never amount to anything. You know, um, and real, I'm going to go to, to, to uh, Matthew, but then I want to come back and ask you another question if I could. Yes, Matthew. That? Had, uh, had Adam had eaten of the tree of life after he sinned, he could not have died. And this is why God had a core of angels to remove that tree into the celestial realm. Otherwise, God would have had two devils on his hands, one the celestial, another terrestrial. I do believe that they are the same order, yes. Uh, and there, there are several orders there. And I, I remember when I was a, a boy, I was always fascinated by maps. I still am, actually. Um, maps, people uh, used to have them. Anyway, hey, there's Mike and Barry. And he worked for National Geographic. They're friends of ours from uh, Colorado. And security lets you in. Huh. I need to have a talk with you guys. Anyway, um, I loved maps. I remember as a boy looking around, seeing where the Tigris and Euphrates met and such, and trying to locate where Eden was and asking my dad... You know, I'm following the rivers. I'm reading here. Where was Eden? And, and Dad says, well, um, it doesn't look like that now. And Eden's not there now because we had the flood. And his idea was things were... Um, it's interesting to think that what we call Tigris and Euphrates might not have been what they called. And where the and rivers change course, rather famously. Uh, I, the question I was come back to you with, and this may eat up our time, but, and, and so we're not going to get too far, but that's all right. You were talking about the difference between the verses one and two. Now, uh, what do you think of the different gap theories? Uh, the, 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 the King James says, and the earth was without form. The rabbis made it very clear to me that it can also be trade became. Yes. And I'm confident that's the case. And so after Satan, when Satan was in charge of everything, and so when he was deposed from his position in the celestial realm, he also contaminated immensely whatever this sphere had been. I often say it's like when angry, angry renters leave your property, they may tear up the place. And when we come to verse 2, the earth is ugly, empty, and dark, and God never made anything like that. Yeah, I've often said that, and I've been attacked like crazy, so I'm <laughs> glad you, you said it. Um, there is room in Scripture... And people will say, are we, a, in fact, the first Sunday I was here during Bible class, it was an open question and answer. And I don't know, they may even be here now, because I don't remember who asked it. But they said, 
what do you think about young earth or old earth? I'm thinking, if you're wanting me to do a catechism here, that's not going to work. And I said, I'm not going to die on that mountain. Fact is, science, it, it sure looks old. It sure looks like it's been around a while and that some real tragic things happened here. When Bill and I were looking at these stones in the front yard that he's working on, that beautiful, that beautiful display, I don't believe God put skeletons of birds and plants in stone to fool us. That, exactly. And by the, if you don't know that, there were people that when Darwin and others were f- first talking about these bones, they'd always found the bones. But they thought they were bones of ancient dragons and stuff. But um, there were religious people teaching and writing that the devil put those things in the, in the stones to fool us and lead us from faith. You, you don't need to be afraid of science. You don't. Science is your friend as long as you do not corrupt your wisdom. One science. more thing, the 12th yes. chapter of Revelation, woe to you heavens and you earth because the devil has gone down to you and he's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Yes, and I always bring that up in, Re- in Revelation 12 because when he goes down, the scripture says the accuser of our brethren right. has been thrown down. So, if you are involved in criticizing other believers, writing them up or attacking them on social media, you have just joined Team Satan because that's what he does. We don't. We don't criticize other believers. Even when we disagree, we do not criticize them. We do not call them out. We do not call them names because we're not, we're not on Team Satan. The difference between God and Satan, and of course we could fill that in, but the main thing is love. God loves us. Satan rebelled at the plan. In my opinion, and I got a nod from, from Albert a while ago, in my opinion, Satan looked at the plan and didn't like it. And here's where I'm going to ask you to cut me some slack and please hear the whole thing I'm about to say. I think he had a point that Almighty God was going to put on the shape of one of these little stinky, sweaty, irresponsible, unreliable creatures and then die for them? and then bring them up and elevate them above the guardian cherubs? Do you realize how absurd that would sound to a guardian cherub or to an angel or gone, what? In fact, it's so absurd, many people still don't believe God came down because of that huge gap. I often, uh, one of my first sermons when I was here, only a few of you were here at that time, and we have, it's like we have a new congregation. I talked about here, over here, is man, full of sin, shame, horrid creatures, so they are. Way over here is God, pristine, pure, good. How in the world are we going to bridge this thing? And we went through scripture to show you that Jesus actually referred to himself as that bridge between us. Jesus is the one that bridges that gap. I am, and for us, how much, how much good news is that for us? I mean, that's every bit of good news ever. For the angels, some of them, and when the Bible says a third fell, we should not try to scientize this and, may, and say 33.33 repeating. No, no. When a, when a Jewish person, and remember whoever wrote it, wrote it in Greek, but they were a Jewish, from a Jewish community of faith, because Christians were at that time. 
A third means a lot, but not most. So don't try to, don't try to, like I said, read back into it the way we write stories. They write stories their way. I don't believe it. Brother, I believe that Satan could not accept this plan. I believe Satan didn't think we were worth the effort. And when we see him in Job, isn't that what he's saying? They're not worth it. Yes, Albert. Just one final thing. No, you, just, you just raised the greatest issue that a man can contemplate. Here's this great God, and here we are made of clay. But he had a party with Adam and Eve before they sinned because they were his children. Angels would be relatives or friends but not children. And he, that's why he, put a, he made a provision for our sin because he enjoys our companionship and our company and he wants that so badly that finally our DNA, our, our, our zip code will be the same forever and ever. That's, that's excellent. The, the angels are co-workers. We're children. And how much slack do you give children? How much slack do you give grandchildren? I don't care what my grandsons are doing. I want to be in it. And when I, we go home, we are tired. We are sticky. We are generally sore. We are usually a little bit poorer. And we thank God for the opportunity. Why is it we have a hard time understanding how God can love us? All right, it's 1145. By law, I have to release you. So you have served your time. The court order has expired. Take off the ankle and wrist um, bands, and we will see you next time. Thank you, brother.